Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey folks, welcome to another edition of the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. My name is Tim Wright. I'm here with Dr. Michael Gurian. Michael, good to have you with us. Thank you, Tim. Great to be here. We have a question from one of our listeners that um, this is one really wise listener. Uh, This question is about four or five questions embedded in it. And which I love because it really gives us an opportunity to talk about some really important things. And particularly, this is about preschool. And so I'm taking a little bit of liberty today uh, in the topic here. I've called it uh, to preschool or not to preschool. And uh, that's not quite the question that's being asked, but I think it undergirds the questions being asked. And there's a lot of debate about preschool and when to put our kids in preschool. What should preschools do? What shouldn't they do? And this question gives us an opportunity to talk about that together. And uh, so, Michael, I'm going to dive into the question. It's a, it's a little longer question, but I think I'm going to read all of it because it's so important uh, to what we're going to talk about today. And so many parents, uh, you know, not right now we're in COVID uh, as we record this. Who knows what's going to happen with preschools in the fall, but parents are going to be thinking about it sooner or later. So, um so this is a uh, starts out this way. I'm a big fan of the podcast and love how you integrate uh, the brain science with an understanding of a child's emotional and spiritual world. Appreciate that. I have a 12-month-old daughter. She is my first and likely only, but she has two older half-siblings who are 15 and 17 years older, and they are here on holidays and for the summers. I work part-time from the home and have in-home child care for those hours I need to work. So my daughter's primarily home with adults. I do have family who live close, and she has cousins relatively close in age. Of course, now we don't see them due to their state's stay-at-home order, but usually we get together for holidays and vacations and could do so even more frequently. Even though she is only a year old, I practice being sensitive to her emotional experience of the world. For example, if she falls and hurts herself, after she's cried, if she cries, I try to go back to the spot where she hurt herself and talk about what happened. Wow, I saw you bumped your head right here, and it really hurt you. I saw it. I've done this since she started being mobile, and now she'll make eye contact and reenact what happens. The idea is to try to help her give language and understanding of her experiences, but also just to reinforce our relationship. I see you. I see the things that are happening to you. Uh, I love that. That's great. Anyway, I tell the story to illustrate our home life a bit and how we're trying to raise her. So now we get to the question actually questions. I've begun thinking about preschool for her. Now, again, she's only a year old, but as a lot of parents, she's starting to think about these things. We are interested in enrolling her in a dual language immersion preschool. There is a local Mandarin immersion school that used a um, Amelia Reggio methodology. methodology. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, the school seems to be pretty great. I know that Michael is a fan of second language for brain development, and I'm trying to figure out the right age to enroll her in any school, The school will accept children as young as two and a half. 
Now, on one hand, that seems young to start preschool. The program is 9 to 3, and I'm not sure there are options for shorter days. But on the other hand, I imagine that younger is better in terms of language acquisition, question mark. We'd basically be dropping her off, and then she wouldn't hear English until we picked her up. Is that traumatic for a child? Mandarin is a challenging language to learn as an adult, so we feel like starting young would be really key and likely help her with other languages later in life. I know that these dual language schools are increasingly popular. What is their impact on kids? I'm assuming you're both in favor of them. What's the best age to start? And how can you help a child with the transition? Uh, in addition, I'd love to hear your thoughts on choosing a preschool. Even more generally, what do you think of the Emilia Reggio method? When do you suggest parents start looking for choosing a preschool? So, uh, Michael, I, the reason why I called this to preschool or not to preschool um, I, I, I didn't attend a preschool. I'm guessing you probably didn't either. Uh, is that true? Yeah, I, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. I, I, here's what I remember. I'm guessing not. <laughs> my Our next door neighbor was a girl my age. She went to nursery school. Now, remember, I'm, I'm 62 years old, so this was back in the dark ages. Um, <laughs> middle ages, they were just starting. The printing press just came out. Um, but she had she went to nursing school, or nursery school, and I'm going to say she had to go to nursery school, and we all wondered what was wrong with her. Uh, because she was going to school. And now preschool, if you don't go, people wonder what's wrong with that kid. Um, and so I want to start broadly and then get to some of the specific questions, because I think she's asking that question. When should a child start preschool? And I want to ask the question, what is the purpose of preschool? And are we getting to a point, this is my this is my own personal concern, so I'm open to whatever you say. Are we getting to a point we are where we are starting to rob our children of being children and pressuring them to be learners too early in, in terms of um, academic learning? I know they learn when they play, I know they learn when they're interacting with others, but are we are we putting our kids in in education far too early that's robbing them of their ability to play? So do with that what you will. Mm. Wow, I love it. Um, well, uh, yes, of course, thanks to, uh, for this question to our listener. And now your questions are getting me thinking along a different line and a very good line. Uh, you know, um, let me say a few things. One, can a child turn out great and be really smart as an adult without having gone to preschool? Yes, we do need to say that. Yes, sure. Number two, is there an, an advantage to going to preschool? Yes, uh, we do have a lot of research on this, and it, it is it is clear. I'm going to divide it into two two groupings. One grouping is children who have assets already at home. Let's say intact families. Let's say um, they have assets not under resourced. Uh, is there an advantage for them? Uh, there's still some advantage. Yes, in terms of their learning ability, their socialization practices, so their social emotional development. Um, yes. And then the other category is children who are under-resourced. Their families are under-resourced. There may only be one parent in the home, um, et cetera. In that group, um, you know, then preschool is even more important and positive for that group because it gives all of this socialization all of this behavioral development, social emotional development, attachment, uh, all of this, some of which they aren't getting at home because the home is under-resourced. So uh, yes, preschool is good. Third thing though, to your point, the, the preschools that move kids 
and the parents that move kids too early toward hyper-academic, hyper-cognitive development, I think are damage, doing some damage to those kids. And um, because the brain does what it's going to do when it's ready, and um, I'm going to pull out a couple examples that I think people will relate to. When when the preschool says we're going to start kids reading, you know, between three and four, uh, some of the brains are ready for that, but some of the brains are not. Um, and it's especially true of males. The male brain is a year to a year and a half behind the female brain in developing the centers for language acquisition, word production, etc. So, so um, that would then create uh, uh, an issue because the child isn't going to do well. The child's going to um, feel like he's failing in reading or she is failing in reading. The parents are going to worry all of that. That's where the child's being moved too quickly when the brain's not ready for a cognitive development marker that the brain's not ready for. So if the preschool is doing that, I, I would say that's not a good thing. But preschool, yes, generally preschool is good um, uh, with the caveat that it needs to be developmentally appropriate and needs to focus most on attachment, socialization, play as learning, and then obviously some crafts and some specific cognitive learning, um, uh, even a little bit of math maybe, you know, at four years old, sure. Uh, but that, that ought to come after we're focusing on attachment, we're focusing on socialization, social emotional development, uh, behavioral development, uh, you know, all of those other things, which is what the brain is really craving then. So I'll end there, then we, and yeah. then I'll later go into language immersion. Yeah, that that's that's great because um, uh, I think that's helpful for parents as they start to think through what kind of preschool. Um, do I want my child to be a part of? Uh, both of my kids went to preschool. All of my grandkids have gone to preschool. And, and that was the experience for all of them. It, it was a socialization environment. Uh, it was a, a, a chance to learn how to bond with other kids and relate with other kids. And there were some academics that were involved. And some of my grandkids were um, excelled in some of that. And some of my grandkids were not as good at uh, you know some of the language development or uh, math things that they were doing, and but they were in environments where everybody was sensitive to that, and uh, so those are some good starting points. So now let's let's deal with uh, the questions here. Um, one of her, her first questions, uh, or, or at least uh, I wouldn't say first question, but a question she's asking probably before she asks the dual language: uh, What age should kids start preschool? Ah, right, right. Well. I I want to say again that picking an age is arbitrary, and I you know I don't think we really have data to show that if you go at two and a half, you're better at thirty years old than if you go at three and a half. You know I I just don't think I would make that case. Um, I think it's when it's developmentally appropriate for this child. So if this child, and some of it, of course, as everyone knows, has to do with potty training, right? I mean, most preschools, right. they want your right. child Good potty point. trained. So that's going to organically set a date. Um, if, if, if the child goes at two and a half and the parents feel, and the school that takes the child feels that the child is ready at two and a half, um, uh, that, that sounds fine. But if the child's not ready until three and a half and everyone decides the child's ready at three and a half, that's fine too. So I, I would not argue for one specific time. And I, I think 
since I'm a developmentalist, you know, by nature, I'm really always looking at where this individual child is in his or her development. I, I would be suspicious of any argument that picks one age and says this is best for all. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Do do kids' uh, brains, uh, now this is broad and generally speaking, do they all seem to catch up at a certain point? So if a, a, a child doesn't go to preschool, hasn't had, uh, you know, learned how to read by kindergarten, uh, will that child, uh, you know, and the preschool child who did learn to read by kindergarten, do they sort of reach an age somewhere in elementary school where all things pretty much even out? Or is there a big advantage to learning how to read earlier? Well, I'm glad you picked reading because that's the one that's that's the biggest deal. You you do want, uh, whether a child goes to preschool or not, we want to be reading to that child an hour or more a day because because where the catch-up, well, let me answer your question. If we do that with kids, right, if we're reading with kids and there are books around in the home on the coffee table and the and in that you know, and the child at a certain point starts reading to us, and and reading is integrated into the life of the family, and of course the life of the preschool. Then yes, some kids start reading at four, uh, but other kids maybe not till seven. And the seven by the time they're seven, they catch up. Um, if we've exposed them to reading and read to them, but if in those early years they're not read to, um, uh, very possible a lot of those kids don't catch up. So, so suddenly at seven, we start reading to them and, and, um, uh, no, they may not be as good. Now, will there be an exception in there? Yes. Someone who's naturally a good reader catches up immediately, but just sort of, if we look at it at a baseline, the problem is not going to necessarily be, did the child go to preschool or not, or when the problem is going to be that people didn't read to this child, uh, whether parents, older siblings, uh, nannies and preschool that the child did not get enough reading starting really young. And um, so that's that one. Uh, math would give us another example. Let's say the child is not exposed to anything mathematical, no number beads, no counting, nothing at all until seven, but other children are exposed at two, three, and four. With exceptions, I would not expect the seven-year-old to be as good at math you know, but there are going to be exceptions, some genius math kids. Uh, but that exposure from two, three, four, five, six, seven is important with those tactiles and those manipulatives and the number beads. That is important. So it's not an either or. What it is, is let's give the kids exposure, whether at home or at preschool or both, give them exposure to this stuff and 
and understand that this exposure when they're young is going to help them later. It really is. So we don't want to put it off. Um, but it, the exposure doesn't have to be in preschool. So that's why I said at the beginning, kids are not going to turn out well or badly if they don't go to preschool or they do go to preschool. Um, you know, our best data is for the under-resourced kids. We know they really, mm. it's really huge for them. Um, not every child has to go in order to be a good reader or, or be good at math. Is that kind of what you were asking? Yep. Yep. I think that's great. So, um, now let's talk about language immersion in preschool. And okay. this is, this is dear to my heart because, uh, you know, my daughter's been big on having her kids, if not language immersion, at least learning a, a second language as soon as they can. So let's talk about that. And, uh, are you familiar with this program? Uh, I've heard of it. People have brought it up to me, but I haven't studied it. So I'm actually okay. not going to mention it, but I can talk about language immersion. Good. Let's do it. Okay. So so people can kind of tell, right, that I really think preschool is a good thing. It's not an either or, but it's a really good thing. So then, so let's say we've decided when's the right age for our child. And I don't think anyone can know yet at 12 months. I think 12 months is too early to make the decision. Is two and a half going to be right or three and a half be right? But Whenever it happens, I'm guessing if they're going to go to preschool, it's going to be sometime between two and a half and three and a half, they're going to start. So um, then the question becomes, okay, how much pressure do you want to put on that brain for language immersion? And in some, in some systems, so this is where the parent has to now look at the system. If I'm putting my child into this, this preschool, I'm not putting my child just into language immersion but I'm putting my child into this preschool with this staff and this system and language immersion. So first judge the system. First look at how this system works, how these caregivers work, what system they've set up, how's the attachment, how's the socialization, because, because that's first, right? And then if all of that seems really good, then language immersion is something that you try. And if it works for your child, then great. If if after six months or a year uh, or some period of time, you feel like, hmm, like to her point, she said, okay, if I put this child into six hours, hmm. then the child's going to hear some English earlier and then not hear English again until 3 p.m. If, if that becomes a worry, like the child isn't doing well after six months or a year in, in some area, like in English, um, you know, then you would revisit. You have to look at this individually for the child. You would revisit that. Uh, hopefully what we would see is that the child is actually learning the Chinese and socializing and interacting well. Attachment is good. You know, all of that is social emotional development is good. And the child's learning Chinese well, and the child's doing fine in English at home. And so, okay, we're gonna continue that. That's working for my child. So I would see it in a larger context than and I beg parents to see it in a larger context then, I've decided my child must learn Chinese. So I'm going to start that young. And because I know, because everyone's right, that the brain is, you know, more plastic when it's young, especially for language. And so uh, that's correct. And I want my child to learn Chinese to be more successful as an adult. And so that's what I'm focused on. I'm really cautioning people on that piece um, uh, because we ought to be more focused on all these other pieces of attachment and socialization and then some cognitive, of course, um, and the language immersion ought to be added on. So it's a different prism through which to see 
language immersion. My hope would be that that's a wonderful preschool already that's doing all these good things and they're doing language immersion and these kids are doing great. And in that case, sure, this child should have a leg up um, in the future because learning Chinese can affect other parts of the brain. Mm -hmm. You know, Chinese operates more on the right, for instance, because it's characterological than our English does, which, which for girls operates on both sides, but for boys operates more on the left uh, hemisphere. So, you know, I mean, there's some interesting things that learning Chinese can do for the brain. There's theories that it affects music and musical development. I mean, there's a lot of theories out there on it. So, um, you know, I would I would encourage her to really look into it, but um, but don't make it the only thing. And and I think that gets to her her question. Her last question is, what do you suggest parents look for when choosing a preschool? And and that's what you're trying to say. Find the place that fits the child, the system that your child is comfortable with, you feel good about, and then each decision follows that, correct? I think so. I think, yep. yes. I mean, I think you start looking at it as a, as a social-emotional system. Yep. That That's how I want to start looking at the preschool. And then I want to add sex and gender on pretty quickly under mm -hmm. the social-emotional because yep. boys tend to fail in preschools. This was a question about a girl, so I'm not going to go too much into boy, but but um, boys are generally the ones expelled, suspended, you know, have yeah. troubles, et cetera. So, so I want to add sex and gender under the social emotional development and the, and the attachment and the bonding component. And that's all first for me. And I would ask other, you know, in terms of what's a good preschool, start with that. Just look at the system, observe it, go in and observe, see how everyone's interacting. And if you have access to a Head Start preschool, which would be more and under-resourced, but exists everywhere. You know, Head Start has a, has a really good system um, and and really good evaluation of staff and so on. And, you know, look at that and how they're doing all of that. So there's that. Then, yeah, then underneath that, how is it, how is it doing cognitively? And what are they teaching sort of academically? And then under that would be language immersion. So um, I, I think the only maybe nugget I'm giving people here is that the social emotional behavioral should go higher on the list for a three-year-old than the cognitive. Yeah, yeah. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And we've talked about this in podcast past, that my daughter really wanted her son uh, to learn uh, other languages because my daughter struggled with them so much as an adult. And so she enrolled Judah 
in a preschool where they uh, basically learned uh, Mandarin and then they also learned Spanish and then went to a school after that where most of the day was spent either in Mandarin or Spanish. And it was good at that, but what they discovered was that his English skills were quite poor. And uh, so they finally transferred him to another school. They dropped the Spanish. It's a school that uh, has an add-on Mandarin. And Judah has some uh, learning challenges anyway, and his, his mom and dad have been really good about making sure he gets some good people working with him. Uh, and Jan and I, I, I'll admit, we've been a little hesitant about this whole Mandarin thing because he has struggled so much with language and his speech and so on. But now he's going to be in fourth grade this year, and um, once in a while he's at my house and he's doing online Mandarin, and I, I'm just blown away at this mm. eight-year-old kid who his teachers just think he's fantastic with this. In fact, he's done a little better with the Mandarin than he has with English. Right, yeah. And, um, you know, so I, I think long-term this is going to be really good for him. Now his sister, uh, she uh, is as smart as can be, but language, her development, her speaking came very, very late for her. And by the time she was old enough for preschool, she still wasn't even talking in sentences. Um, and uh, so I think Alicia decided probably not. She needs to work on her English uh, and is not involved in another language. So I, I think what you're saying is it, it's really going to depend on your child. And they're gonna, this writer is going to know more about her daughter a year or two from now than she knows at this point. And that probably an open mind is the best way to enter into a preschool uh, discussion as her child gets a little older. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I, I, an open mind with the knowledge that preschool is a good thing, you yeah. know, that, that we start at that baseline and that there's a lot to love about it um, and that we do have to look at that system and see how it fits our individual child. And for girls, you know, one, one, of, the, one of the things that if people want to judge preschools per se, I mean, I, I hate to be judgmental, but if we're looking at, you know, from the girl point of view on preschools, like on the boy point of view, I'm always coaching parents, you know, look at how they interact with boys and do they shut down everything that's boy about the boy and, and so that he'll fail in preschool. That's preschool to prison pipeline stuff. So sometimes that's easier to see uh, with girls. Sometimes when you're judging or ascertaining or, you know, evaluating a preschool, it's harder to see what what ultimately is going to help my daughter. Why is this preschool better for my daughter than this other preschool, let's say? And, and take language out of it for a moment. Let's say you've made the decision about, about um, language immersion, Mandarin immersion, and both preschools provide that. So, so still, how do I choose? Well, um, another thing to look for for girls is does the preschool and that system teach perseverance? Does it teach uh, resilience? You know, what is it? that? Because that's a real wonderful socialization asset that we want our girls to get starting as early as possible. Um, so that they are resilient young women, so that they're empowered young women, so that they're they're um, perseverant young women, you know, and and I would ascertain in that system if that is happening, and if the girls are learning resilience. Um, uh, so that's a little nugget to give people in terms of the work I've done in preschools on the girl side of it. Look for resilience building. Well, and this this writer, this mom has uh, a lot of time to do some research, talk to other people. Her daughter's a year, and um, it sounds like, you know, it's going to be a year or two at least 
before she has to finally make this decision. So she's got time to really watch her daughter, see where her daughter seems to be growing and, and how she relates to the world, and then what best preschool for her. Um, and I think the insights that you've given have been really, really helpful for all parents who are thinking about preschool. There's so many things to think about. And uh, again, we just want a good match for our kids where mm-hmm. they can build those social-emotional skills and and maybe uh, begin to immerse themselves in some things. But I do want, before we go, to, to touch on one thing that you said earlier. You used the word pressure. And um, what are, what are mm. ways that you might be able to tell that your child is under some pressure uh, in a preschool uh, that might be stressing them out? Well, I think one way, since you're only allowed to go in and observe, let's say, for 10, 20 minutes, I, I think one way would be... Um, if, if the staff doesn't seem to understand that play is learning, play is learning, that you get just as much learning at three and a half years old from play as you do from sitting doing uh, a drawing, you know, or, or, or even sitting and reading a picture book, that, that would be something to watch for. Um, and you're going to get, you're, that's something you'll be able to observe pretty quickly. Let's say you get a half hour there to observe or an hour, that'd be great. And in fact, any preschool that doesn't allow you to observe for a more than five or 10 minutes, you might want to, you know, think about that. So let's say you can observe for half hour to an hour, and then you should be able to see if generally it'll be this one classroom, let's say, it'll probably have teacher and a teacher's aide or two teachers, are, and mainly will be female, are they um, uh, allowing play or are they trying to constantly keep these kids on a specific cognitive task, but the kids are starting to gravitate toward play after 10 minutes, and that's not being understood as as learning. I think that would be something you can observe in that half hour to an hour. And the other thing I think you can observe is how the teachers and staff handle behavioral stuff that's happening behaviorally, you know, social, emotional, um, uh, even in attachment and bonding. You, you can see, are the kids bonded to the teacher? Are they, you know, like, are they, when they come over to the teacher, do they lean against the teacher, right? You can see that kind of bonding there. Um, uh, and, and right now in a COVID moment, maybe they can't touch, but of course they will be able to again. That that shows you there's bonding in that system, there's a good attachment in that system, and there's trust between the child and the caregiver. Uh, that's another thing you should be able to observe through body, you know, through nonverbals and verbals. And then a third thing I would try to observe is the classroom itself, how the environment is set up, um, uh, e- even cultural sensitivity in the environment. I'll just pick this as an example. Let's say you have a black child or a child of color and you're going to a preschool and you don't see books about black kids in there, you know, or you don't see posters or pictures on the wall about about black or Latino kids or Native American, wh- whatever is your child, you know, then that's, then that's a third area where we really want to look at that cultural sensitivity and make sure our child can identify in that environment. Um, so that's a third area I would look at. Well, Michael, as always, brilliant. We appreciate it. And uh, if you have a question for us, all you need to do is go to wonderofparenting.com. That's wonderofparenting.com. Also want to encourage you to head over to helpingboysthrive.org, helpingboysthrive.org. We have a summit coming up October 1st. 
It's a one-day telesummit. Michael will be speaking. I'll be there. Uh, Marion Hill and Eva Dwight will also be there. And uh, all the information, helpingboysthrive.org. And if for some reason you can't join us that day, if you register, you'll have access to the whole thing for seven days. And we would love to have you join us for that. Uh, Michael, looking forward to being with you again next time. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you next week. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.